0: The year was 2003, we were living in in Houston at the time and uh, Arshana and I had the incredible opportunity uh, to go to a Sunday night Houston Texans football game. They were playing the Kansas City Chiefs and we got to go to this game and get there a little bit early and by way of some of the people we knew from the Texans, we actually got to go down on the sideline and hang out before the game and so we were hanging out all kind of VIPs, it was so much fun, and we're walking the field like, man, like we own the place, you know, it was like, hey, what's up? I acted like every player knew who I was, I'm like, yeah, hey, it's PC, how you doing, yeah. And uh, we got around to one of the tunnels, and uh, they were playing the Chiefs, the Texans were, so uh, Tony Gonzalez, a big, massive, tight end for the Chiefs, was running out of the tunnel, and I was like, first of all, they look big on TV, but in person, it's a it's another whole level and i was like i was like what's up and he was like nice jacket i was like oh man that was cool that was a cool moment and uh so we walked around to the other tunnel it was about to get time to get back to our suite for the game and check out what the game and, and hoping that texans would win and as we were walking up that tunnel number 43 was walking up the tunnel as well and uh by number 43, I don't mean a Houston Texans 43 or Chiefs 43. I mean, our 43rd president, President George Bush Sr. And so, Urshan and I were like, we talk, said hi to him. And Urshan was like, can we take a picture with you? And he's like, well, sure. And I mean, President Bush just like pulled Ursh in, like he, she was his daughter. And, and I was standing and he's like, why are you with this guy? And I was like, okay jokes from the president and so we we took pictures now it's 2003 and we didn't have a phone to take pictures with you actually had to carry a digital camera you guys don't even know no, nobody in this front section knows what a digital camera is all about and so, listen our friend was like getting ready to take the picture he took the first picture there was no flash it's like we got to do it again no flash and president was like listen, you gotta take a better picture because we wanna make this count. So we're like, yeah. Well, while they were trying to figure out the flash, we were talking to the president and Urshana's grandfather and our president, they had served on a, a bunch of different things together and her grandfather was in his office on several occasions and, and they, they had built a relationship. So she brought him up and he kind of talked back in. He was like, oh yeah. And so we talked about that for a moment. And then all the while our friend is taking more pictures without flash. And finally, there were people in the in like st- standing around us, going, uh, we, we want a chance. Let us get a picture." And and they were just screaming, "Like you're taking all the time!" And finally, the Secret Service was like, "Hey, uh, it's time for you to move along. We got we got to go." And everybody was so mad. And and somewhere, I don't know, because it was a digital camera, there there's a little flash drive that has like 46 underdeveloped pictures of us and President George Bush. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that picture to show you right now because it was incredible. But listen, it's the year that I learned you don't get to experience some radical opportunities because of how good you are, but it's who you know and who you're connected to. So why don't you turn to your neighbor and just say, hey, this is radical. And then, because this is our favorite day of the year, just turn to the one you've been ignoring all week and uh, all all service and bump them and say, I like Big Ask and I cannot lie. (laughs) Hey, at Free Church, we like to enjoy church, not endure it. Come on, somebody in. So, I'm beginning an all-new series today that will run through this month called Radical. It's not what you think. I'm not going to be preaching about extreme sports or skydiving or rock climbing, racing cars. The actual definition of radical is this, of, or pertaining to, or proceeding from the root. And if I were to bring out this key verse for this entire series, Is found in Ephesians 3, 17. It says, may your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. Radical is not some extreme component, but what I'm gonna be preaching about over the next several weeks is I'm gonna be preaching about this expression, this radical expression that we find in the Bible that describes who God is and how he works and the reality of who we're connected to, and how He wants us to be man connected deep into the roots of His marvelous love. Because it's not how good you are; it's who you're connected to. Today, I'm going to begin with uh, the concept of radical love. Everybody, say radical love. Radical and and to describe this radical love we experience. From our God and our Savior Jesus, to describe it, I'm going to use the most famous verse in the Bible, and no, Terry, it's not Matthew or John two and nine where Jesus turned water into wine. It is actually a verse you know probably better than all any of us. We all know it. It's John three sixteen. John three sixteen. It finds itself into every sporting event, usually in the end zone. And probably you haven't seen it much because the Bears don't really score that much. (laughs) And it finds its way into all different kind of events. And even I I had some pictures, if the screen was working, of uh, Tim Tebow actually had it as his eye black the year that he won the Heisman at the University of Florida. And... John 3, 16, everybody knows it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask, some of you know it by heart, I'm reading it from the King James Version, and if you know it by heart, say it with me. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Man, you sound so good. You guys knew that. That's really good. It's the, it's the if you don't know any other verse in the Bible, this is the verse that you need to know. Because in those few phrases, we find the radical love, the expression of love from our God. And and it's amazing because when, when when we look at it, we find out that this is the idea of scripture that we talk about the subject of the Bible, and that's Jesus, the verb of the Bible, which is giving, and then the expression of the Bible, which is love. It's all found in this verse And it describes this incredible, incredible expression of radical love. Everybody say radical love. So this is radical love, that God so loved the world. God so loved. And in English, that word so, it doesn't really carry a lot of weight. I mean, we're like, so? Or like, so what? It just doesn't carry that much weight. In in fact, for all of you students, when you write a paper and you try to use so to describe something, your teacher will always respond back and say, use more expression in your words. Use something more expressive. Don't Don't just go to the easy so or very. But in the Greek, this little word so packs a powerful punch because in the Greek, it is an adverb of intensity. So God so loved the world. You can love tacos, but God so loved the world. Hey, girls, all the single ladies, (laughs) uh, a guy can come around and say he loves you, but you want him to so love you. Come on, you don't wanna just settle you want somebody that's like, I so love you. Look at the expressions of love in the Bible. Ephesians 1 and 4 says this, long before he laid down earth's foundations, this is before God, before God created the earth, God had us in mind and settled on us as the focus of his love. Long before the world was created, he knew you and he wanted to focus all of attention on you. Look at Psalms 145 verse nine, the Lord is good to everyone. He shows compassion to all of his creation. God loves who? Everyone, everyone. He shows his compassion, showers his compassion to all his creation. And then Romans ten it's, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, Uh, Neither height nor depth nor look at this anything in all creation Will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus God so Loves you that there's nothing you can do that will make him love you less And then and then it's crazy because we find in Ephesians 3 Verse 18, it says, Paul says, may you be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high God's love really is. And not just know it, but look at this, experience this love for yourselves. God's love is multidimensional. You say, well, PC, how long is God's love? And I'm gonna say it's long enough to last forever. How, how wide is God's love? It's, it's wide enough to reach wherever you've traveled. Oh, oh, how deep is God's love? Oh, it's deep enough to go to any depth of any pit that you've dug for yourself. Oh, how high is His love? Oh, it's so high it sets a standard above all other loves because it alone is created in God, it exists only in God. That is the love that God so loved the world. So radical love leads to a radical sacrifice, radical love leads to radical sacrifice. The next line and the next phrase is, that he gave his only son. Look at Colossians 1.15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Uh, I love that it doesn't say he gave a prophet or he gave a poet, or he gave a teacher, or he didn't just give a healer, or he didn't just give an advocate. God wrapped himself in flesh, John 1 and 1, and became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory full of grace and truth. God himself loved you so much that he came. If you want something done right, You do it yourself. He came down on this earth in the form of Jesus, his son, for you. Because he so loved, he gave his only son. And listen, I'm going to tell you this. You can give without loving, but there is no way you can love without giving. God so loved the world. Why, why, why did he he give his son? Well, it's so we can know what God is like. Jesus replies in John fourteen nine have I been with you all this time and yet you still don't, do not know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. You wanna know what God looks like? Look at the picture of Jesus in scripture. It's not a skin tone, but it's expression of how we're to live on this earth. Why did Jesus come to this earth? Well, number one, he came to show us what God was really like. Number two, he came to show us the, and tell us the truth. Number three, he came to show us a better way to live. Number four, he came to show us how to love one another. And number five, most importantly, he came to die on a cross for your sins. This is the radical sacrifice that God gave his one and only son for you. Why to be a savior? Why do you need a savior? Well, because he wants us to join him in heaven. And you would say, well, well, what's the big deal? Why do I need a savior? Because heaven is a perfect place. Uh, There's gonna be no sin in heaven. There'll be no shame in heaven. There'll be no sorrow in heaven. There'll be no sadness in heaven. Heaven is a perfect place, but we are imperfect people, and the only way we get to heaven is to acknowledge our imperfection and acknowledge his perfect righteousness and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. We need a Savior. It reminds me of this little story I read a few years back and it was about, we're getting near Christmas time, can you believe it? Like Christmas is around the corner and Arshana's already talking about setting up the Christmas tree. And I was like, what about Thanksgiving? And she was like, well, I'm gonna get you in the spirit. And yesterday I woke up to Christmas music being played in the house. I'm like. (laughs) And I kept my mouth shut because if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. But I read about this little boy who wrote a letter, it says, he says, hello, there are three of us. David is two, and he is good some of the time. And Jeremy is four, and he is good some of the time. And Norman is seven, and he is good all of the time. I am Norman. <laughs> and and I, I got to thinking about that letter. Why do you need a savior? Because you're not Norman. We're not perfect, I'm not perfect. And I need a savior because I need that great exchange to happen so that I can live forever with my Lord and savior. Look at in 2 Corinthians 5 and 12, it says, God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatsoever to him. He did this when, we, we counted, we, first of all, we weren't alive yet, but he knew us, he had purpose for our life, and he laid down this, his life, Jesus laid down his life when we had no value, but look at this, then in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. We need that exchange in our life. So a radical love leads to a radical sacrifice, which leads to A radical offer. Whosoever believes in him should not perish. And this is the the offer to save you. It's the offer to save you. Titus 2 and 11 says this, the free gift of eternal salvation is offered to everyone. To who? Everyone. Look at Acts ten thirty five. It makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and are ready to do as he says, the door is open. Listen, it doesn't matter what your religious experience or background is. It doesn't matter your education level. It doesn't matter your financial status. It doesn't matter all the bad you've done and for how long you've been doing it the door is open there is an offer for you because radical love leads to a radical sacrifice which extends a radical offer. And the offer the offer is this and it's 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 actually my big ask today. Is this will you accept this offer? will you accept this offer? Look at, if, Romans 9, how do I do that, PC? Well, I'm gonna tell you, Romans 10-9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved. Well, what did I do? I believed it in my heart, and I confessed it with my mouth. Well, what? well, what does it mean to say Jesus is Lord? And I mean, we're we're in a society and a culture that doesn't really have hierarchical status in terms of we don't. What is the Lord? It, what does that mean? Well, I mean, I could just break it down to today's wording. It'd be: Is Jesus the CEO of your life? Is he the boss? Is he your manager? Uh, in the words of Carrie Underwood, Jesus take the wheel, like. <laughs> However you offer up the control of your life to a savior who died for your sins and expressed such radical love and is giving such a radical offer, not based on who you are, but how good he is. And not based on what you're capable of doing, but what he's done. First Peter. 1, verses 3 and 4. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. Look at this. And the future starts now. Hey, radical love leads to a radical sacrifice, which extends and leads to a radical offer, which then shows us the most radical gift. And that is a future that starts out. when Jesus saves you he saves the entirety of your life it becomes this operation in your life that has the capacity to fix your past to seal your present and point you to the future you say well what about my past and I would say in Jesus it's forgiven." Well, what about my my present? I would say, in Jesus, there is a powerful purpose for now. Well, what about my future? I would say, in Jesus, there is the promise of an eternal glory in heaven. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 6.2. Right now, God is ready to welcome you. Today, he is ready to save you. Have you ever... Made a belief and a confession as Jesus, in Jesus as the Lord of your life. And if you haven't, today I want to ask you God's ready. When my boys were a, a lot younger ages, we we would play hide and go seek. And I will tell you I could dominate that game. Especially when the twins were little because like they would not be able to find I could go and hide all day They would never find me But my goal was not to be hidden My goal was to be found So I would hide in places that they would most certainly find me And, and I would make sure maybe my foot was sticking out from under the curtain Or my big ask was hanging outside of the other part of the couch. Ask. (laughs) Because I wanted to be found. I wanted to be found. And they would always find me. And today, scripture tells us, seek the Lord while he be found. God's ready to welcome you today. Are you ready? Well do everybody close their eyes, bow their head for a moment. How do I get ready? Hey, have you confessed your belief in Jesus? Maybe first time, or this would be the first time in a long time. You, as you assess your life, you're like, PC, listen, I mean, as I look back over my life, I know I'm not where I wanna be. I'm gonna tell you today, in another week or another month or another three months, you'll have, you could have that same expression, I'm not where I wanna be. But because of Jesus, you can put a comma after that and say, but at least I'm not where I was. And all you have to do is believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. So I'm gonna count to three in a second. When I get to three, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, Or you've never confessed your belief that he is your Lord and Savior, he rose again with the most incredible radical expression of love and sacrifice and an offer and a gift for you.